10. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at another question that was asked by someone. And we're going to look at Jesus' response. And in hopes, as we have each week, we're looking to see uh, just who Jesus is, what he was about, and who you and I are to live and to be. And how we ought to live, how we ought to conduct ourselves. And, and this is a perfect, perfect one for us as believers, as Christians, and even as Americans. So Luke chapter 10, starting verse 25, is where we're going to be. So I'll give you a moment to get there. Um, we're going to read verses 25 through 37. 25 through 37. And then I'll, I'll share a little story that Rebecca put us on the same plane with us today. So Luke chapter 10, starting verse 25, and this is what the Bible says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed him, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going, by, going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So you can just picture this. These two men are seeing this stranger who is, who is left for dead. And they are passing him or, or avoiding him as you do in Walmart when you see those people. You know, when you are looking in the other aisle because you don't want to go down that aisle because I'm doing everything I can to go away from that person or these people because I do this I'm going to be here for the next 35 minutes. Uh, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring, in oil and, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. So Jesus asked the lawyer, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So here we are. Now we're going to look at how you and I ought to live. Now I want to make a confession, and I'm just going to simply make my confession Raise your hand if you were in the same boat. There are times where I'm driving down the road, and you know the van it's a little heavier than my car. And sometimes going down the hills, it goes a little faster than the speed limit. It's just law of gravity and physics. Um, nothing to do with my own incompetence as a driver or my own illegal acts. You know, I'm just driving, and there are times where I happen to pass a police officer, and I'm going slightly above, or maybe a little bit more than slightly above the speed limit. And what I oftentimes do is I find myself passing them 
And, you know, I don't sit on grace because it makes it look obvious and then I get in trouble. I'm yelling at these, get your seat, make sure you're all bumped in. And I'm giving myself a little bit. I can't get this room. Come on, come on, come on. And anybody else been there? You just, you pass it and you thought, oh, man, I need to, I need to make sure that I'm coming after me. Okay, so there's one guilty confession. I hate to admit that, but I do it. And I think all of us probably do it. We all break the law by going a little, just a little faster, Mike. Not too much faster. Then it's feeling that. You make your professional and confession after Mike. And you'll bring your two denarii high in your day's wages. All right. So then, now to make it even a little more embarrassing on myself, but maybe a little more realistic, maybe you, maybe you don't do this. Maybe it's just me. But there's often times where I'm trying to encourage myself and justify myself to myself while anticipating the lights to come on in the U-turn. And what I tell myself is, surely they're not going to come after me for going slightly above the speed limit. I mean, there's got to be much bigger things they could be worrying about or spending their time on. I mean, so here I am, I'm trying to justify in and of myself that surely they're not going to come after me. I'm just going slightly over, you know. I mean, there's, there's drug wars going on, there's abuse going on. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to justify in and of myself because my little minor infraction of the law, it's not all these things. Therefore, I'm good. You know, and what I do is I try to psych myself up because I think, okay, if they pull me over, I'm going to be like, look, officer, there's a lot more going on in the world than my four miles over the screen line. But shouldn't you focus your time or attention over there? And I'm trying to justify myself thinking my little minor infraction isn't nearly as bad as other people. Therefore, they're not going to come after me, right? And what we see in religious leaders in Jesus' time is they're always looking to justify their own goodness based off what they do, how they do, and how much better they do than other people. And I find the same with you and I. If we aren't careful, we'll get a little legalistic or a little religious on people, and we will justify our own goodness based off the badness of other people. And then, you know, surely God's going to love me or give me a little bit more grace because I'm not, I'm not sleeping around or I'm not walking and drinking this all the time. I'm not addicted to this drug or this or that. Surely, surely I have a little bit more favor in the sight of the Lord. And I'm trying, and we, if we're careful, we try to justify who we are and how we are based off our own do's and our, and our don'ts rather than what the Word says. So, you know, when I was thinking about this and looking at this particular particular lawyer who knew the law. That's why he was considered a lawyer, because he had studied and mastered the law. Well, James 2 tells us, and James writes, and he says, if we break one part of the law, we've broken it in full. Meaning, if we break one thing, if we commit one sin, I know that it doesn't carry the same earthly consequences, maybe, as breaking them all, but one sin would separate us from the Lord. If, if you were ever to just live in one particular sin and never come to faith in Christ, we would be destined to eternal separation just as the most heinous people would. And James says that if we break one, so if we just have one small, one small minor infraction here, one minor infraction there, we're just as guilty of being a lawbreaker as those that have many large infractions. Because what happens is, I don't know if you all, but sometimes I find myself basing my own goodness based on my own performance and kind of expect that pay-for-performance mentality. Like, because I'm doing so much work, I'm going to receive so much blessing from the Lord, I'm going to have more grace and mercy offered to me, God's going to provide for my family greater because we're good, we're, 
we're gooder or we're better or all of our views are so much better looking. And what happens is Jesus is very clear on what you and I are all to do in order to live. Here's what Jesus did not say to this man. Jesus did not say, in order to inherit eternal life, you do these four things really well. And then just spend the rest of your life working on the more extensive list. And as long as you are just progressing in these particular areas, then you're going to inherit eternal life. You're going to live well, and you're going to live in the abundance of life that I've come to give. What did Jesus say? He said, do these, and you will live. Well, what are these? These are another interaction known as the two great commandments that Jesus gives. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So let's just brief, let's just quickly go through these four ways in which you and I love the Lord. Because how do I love with my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength? I'm just going to just hit the surface level here. And this is where a perfect conversation would be in a life group on how you can dig deeper in these four areas of loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, we love with our heart, meaning that our desires, our passions, our pursuits are chasing after God's. That we align our heart, our passions with God's passions. That means we are passionate about what God's passionate, and we despise and reject and hate what God hates. Not that we have to be hateful, but that we do not want to find ourselves participating in or, or just allowing or tolerating but whatever the world is doing, that we are going to align our desires, our passions, and our pursuits with God's work, with God's way, with God's heart. Now, if our desires, our loves, our passions do not glorify the Lord, and they are not godly, if we know they contradict God's word, and one way that you can also do this thing, and I live by this, by this particular thing most of the time, if I have to question whether I should do think, pursue, I have to question it, oftentimes it's just no. If it's questionable, it's just no. Because if I'm questioning in my own conscious, and I have to admit, my own conscious isn't always good. Alright? My own conscious is sometimes deluded by my own you know, preferences, or my own opinion, or my own justification. So if I have to question it, I know that I ought to just say no. I ought to just distance myself from it. Therefore, we must align our, our heart, our heart desires, our longings, our passions with the Lord. We love it with all of our soul. We read a book, I think a few years ago, titled How's, How's Your Soul? And it was written by a pastor named Judas Smith. And, and it was just a good book to really just evaluate how you are doing. What it is that satisfies your soul. That we love the Lord with all of our soul. Meaning that our soul cries to the Lord. And our soul can only be satisfied by the Lord. And if we try to satisfy the depths of our soul with any kind of earthly tactic, we will find ourselves constantly desiring and craving more. We will find ourselves never truly satisfied because there are not enough things this earth can provide that ever truly satisfy the depths of our soul because you and I were made to last eternally. And everything that this world has to offer is a temporary need. So if we try to satisfy our soul with people or with lust, or with adultery, then it's never going to work. We're always going to crave. If we try to satisfy our longings and our souls with alcoholism, or with even drug addiction, we're always going to crave and desire and want more and more. If we try to satisfy our soul with money, we never make enough. 
If we try to satisfy our way through the list can go on. You get the point that our soul was created by the Lord to be satisfied by the Lord, to be sustained by the Lord, and then one day dwell in His presence forever. That person. We love Him with our mind. Now, our thoughts are to be godly, and we must also grow our minds in God's Word and understanding His way. Here is one way you do not love the Lord your God with your mind. And I'm not calling you out necessarily, but maybe if you spend a lot of hours doing this, just this, this, or if you have the news blaring to where your neighbors hear it for hours on end, there's a good chance that your mind is just withering away. Because you're being manipulated by people, you're being manipulated by politicians or professionals or the experts, and what's happening is you're not growing your own mind. So how do we grow our mind? Well, first of all, we grow our mind by reading, studying, and memorizing and meditating on God's Word. We grow our mind by reading. We grow our mind by discussing things with other people. And one way that we do not grow our mind is to just scroll and read the the opinions of other people or to just listen to the experts or the anchors on TV for hours and hours on end. So here's what I'm saying. Uh, I don't know if you guys get it, but every Sunday morning at about 8.30 to 9 o'clock, I get my day or my weekly screen report. Do you all get that? If your weekly screen report, sometimes it's good, and it's for good reason. You may read the Bible or you do work on your phone. I get it. But if your screen report is upwards of 10, 15, 20 hours, then you may want to just examine the way that you're spending your time and growing your mind and maybe adjust some things. So what we need to do is we need to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our minds, with all of our strength. So we love Him with all of our strength. This is not, this is not saying if you're weak then you can't love the Lord very well. Uh, this is not saying that you have to you have to do push-ups while, while meditating on the Word. This is meaning that you love Him with your body. That our bodies have, have been a gift from God. Therefore, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all of my strength, with all of my body. Therefore, I'm not going to find myself participating in things that do not nourish my body, that are immoral to my body, and that do not glorify God. So if we're doing things that are physically that are physical acts that do not glorify God, and like every other area that we love, we must repent, we must steward, cherish, nurture our body. We must take care of this gift, this temple that, that the Holy Spirit resides in, that God lives within. We need to take, cherish, and, and hold on to it, strengthen it, discipline it, and grow it. So, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. If we were to be honest, that's in and of itself enough to keep you busy the rest of your life. That is enough for me to grow each and every day, to grow in those four areas, to, to love the Lord my God more and more. That in and of itself is just enough to keep me busy the rest of my life. That's enough to keep me reading and to keep me praying and to keep me working for the rest of my life. And then there's a, a second part to this. Now, if we were to be honest, and just truthfully, truthfully honest, some of us could have done away with the second part, right? I mean, he says to love your neighbor as 
yourself. Does anyone here ever try to justify what God is the lawyer did? Hey, who's my neighbor? Who do I have to call my neighbor? Surely it's not the people that don't think like me or live like me. Surely I don't have to love those people that are mean to me or, or dress differently than I do. So Jesus gives us a parable of two radically different people groups that find themselves with a lot in, not well, with a lot uh, of tension, with a lot of strife. And he uses this parable to show us how we are to love our neighbor. And the Samaritan helps the Jew, which would have been very uncommon in this particular day. But he used it to show us that you and I are to find people around us, every person that you interact with, we are to love them as ourselves. I love them. Now, if we aren't careful, we will find ourselves justified with God because some of those people that God has blessed us on this earth are hateful. Some of the people that God has placed on this earth, sometimes we're looking at, or maybe you find yourself looking up to this guy and being like, surely it's not them. I mean, surely, some of these people, let's just be honest, some people are hard to love. And some people are hard to love and to truly love as ourselves. So you and I are commanded by God. And here's what Jesus said. He said, if you do these, you will what? You will live. not do these two things, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, you will be miserable at times in your life. Because here's what happens. If you and I fail to love the Lord our God, if we fail to love others as ourselves, we are always going to be bitter. We're always going to be, uh, we're always going to have be very opinionated. We're always going to be frustrated with people because people aren't good enough. People are rude or people are hateful or people are this or people are that. And what will happen is if we are not truly loving our neighbor or neighbor as ourselves, then you and I will constantly find ourselves frustrated and mad at people and always upset and uptight with people. Never want to be around people. Just constantly bitter and heartbroken. And here's what I want to tell you. That you and I want to love our neighbor as ourselves, even if our neighbors are hard to love. Regardless of how hard it is to love them, regardless of how hard it is to view them as worthy of the blood of Christ as we are, you and I are to view each and every person as one in the image of God and two, worthy of the gospel message and the blood of Christ just as much as I am. So you and I must love our neighbor as ourselves. One topic of loving our neighbor is, and I want to end it, this is the last part of my message, just for today. We can talk about loving our neighbor for weeks. But I think the one that's the hardest is definitely forgiveness. Forgiveness. I mean, let's just be honest. You can raise your hand if you want. You don't have to admit it. I'm sure that someone here has been offended by someone else. <laughs> and you remember the exact time, date, and look at Just raise your hand. Do you remember? I remember. Now, what causes us not to live is to hold on to every offense that has come our way and to just never forgive people. Now, here's what I am telling you. That if you choose to forgive people, it, does, it doesn't act like Will Smith comes in here with this little flashing blinking light, and if you stare at it, it's real bright, and all of a sudden you forget everything that happened. I understand that in order to forgive people, it is hard. In order to truly love some people, it leaves you a little scarred. But I promise you that with the aid of God, with the Holy Spirit to 
repair our hearts and to mend together what was broken, that you and I are able to forgive people and to live free of every offense that has come our way. It may be painful. And the relationship may never truly be what it was. There may always be a scar. There may always be a little bit of you that isn't quite the same. But I'm telling you, you and I must forgive and love our neighbor. So here's what I want to do. I want to just encourage you and also challenge you at the same time. See, if you were to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Paul's going to tell you to be tenderhearted and to forgive one another because Christ forgave you. Because Christ forgave me. So those are the words of the Apostle Paul. Now what did Jesus say? On the, on the mountainside, if you remember Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us something really profound and sometimes hard to really apply. And, and there's some things that we, we read and we just want to kind of skip over it and really just act like it wasn't there. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will what? Forgive you. Perfect. Sounds great. But then he goes on to say, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father, what? Forgive yours? So, so this is the words of Jesus. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. I'm not trying to tell you this is my opinion or that, you know, this is what I think you ought to do. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. If you remember the, the Lord's Prayer that he gives here in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Our Father, God, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And what? Forgive us of our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us. Sometimes if we aren't careful, we will skip part B and we will just always hope for and expect part A. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just truly ask yourself, are you holding on to offenses that have come? And if so, I'm going to ask you today and plead with you today to just forgive them. Forgive them. Now, based off circumstances, you may not be able to call them or visit with them. You may not be able to sit across the table and tell them, hey, I forgive you. But I promise you that if you call upon the name of the Lord and you forgive them, and you ask God to give you the strength to truly forgive, move on, and repair what is broken, that you will be free from the offenses that have come your way. And instead of holding on to this offense and this offense and that offense and just be crippled by all of the weight that these offenses carry and that they bear on you and not being able to live, you will find yourself more time just being free from offense after offense. And whatever else breaks your heart or whenever they say something bad or whenever they're hateful to you or whenever things don't go your way, over time you're going to slowly be able to get rid of the offenses and not carry the burden or the weight that they bear with them, therefore keeping you from living as you. Because when he says you will live, I want you to know that it wasn't just that we have something to look forward to one day, but that we can truly live in the abundance of life full of joy and peace and love even now. So I would just encourage you and plead with you today to forgive them. You don't need to tell me who it is, what it was. I pray that you will work it out, whether it be with them or with the Lord, and forgive them. And just distance yourself from that offense or from that moment, from that act, from that season of time. Now we're going to take it one step further. And if you are the one that has caused the offense, 
if you're the one that fractured it intentionally and, and, and truly meant to, I'm going to plead with you to seek their forgiveness. I'm going to pray that you would just repent of take responsibility of what it is that we have done that's causing us not to allow ourselves to love others or causing others not causing them not to be able to love us like we are truly called to do. So if you are here and you are the one or, or not the one that's caused the, the pain and not the one that's fractured intentionally with, with poor or broken intent, I'm gonna I'm just gonna ask you and plead with you to take the responsibility that we must take to grow spiritually mature enough to recognize our own brokenness and seek the forgiveness of someone. Now, circumstances may not allow that. You may never be able to sit across the table for someone that you've truly hurt or that's truly hurt you. But we do have a Father in Heaven who hears our cry, that sees our afflictions, that is able to understand exactly where our heart is. Therefore, I'm going to ask you to just Seek the forgiveness of the Lord. Why? Because if we forgive others their trespasses, our Heavenly Father will also forgive us. Now, I know that's hard because, first of all, we have to admit that we've been wrong. Secondly, we have to admit that we had ill intent maybe to hurt someone else. But in order to truly live as Jesus came, died, and rose from the dead to allow us to live, you and I cannot carry the weight or the burden that pain, offense, and brokenness leads us to carry. If you and I truly want to live, we live by distancing ourselves, separating ourselves from the pain or the offense or the moment in time. And for example, I'm not going to go into detail. I can remember I graduated from camp January 28, 2011. 11 and a half years ago. Here I was at the right young age of 19 or whatever it was. And, uh, I graduated from camp. I had 10 days from the time I graduated to leave San Diego, California, go home, spend some time at home. And it was in the middle of you know, January, February. And, uh, there's something that usually happens around that time here, snow and ice and all this. And for me, it's doing a lot of things that I hope to do in my 10 days after three months of misery and all this chaos. Here I am for 10 days, and I can remember exactly the wording of a text message I received from someone that I never expected to receive it from. I can, I, I can tell you exactly how it read and how painful it was and how much damage it did cause. But thank God for repairing what was once broken. Thank the Lord for being able to mend back together what once was fractured and, and, and coming apart. So even though I can remember it to this day and I'll never forget it, and the only two people that know exactly, well, three people, the, the sender, the recipient, myself, and my wife, are the only three people that know exactly what it said, exactly how it was worded. And, and to this day, it could have caused a lot of damage and done a lot more separating if I were to hold on to that offense. But after a few years, like eight, had to grow up. And in my mid to late 20s, I had to come to the, to the point in life in which I had to forgive them. Now, I'll just admit, I haven't done it to their face because I'm not brave enough yet. But I've been pleading with the Lord ever since that day. God has given me the strength to forgive them and to see a relationship repaired. 
to just see what once hurt and what once dug into my heart and my soul and just broke me, just to see past that so that I can experience the life that you have called me. Because if I'm not careful, I would hold on to that and it would cause a lot more pain and cause a lot more damage. But by the grace of God, and only by the grace of God, can I be honest enough to tell you that as painful as that was, that forgiveness can come. And when forgiveness does come, and when offenses are no longer held in our minds and carried in our hands, we can be open-handed and just live free. Just enjoy the life that we have. Because like I said earlier, it's only for a little while. I don't want to spend the rest of my life. I don't want to be that grumpy old man screaming at kids. And, and it's nothing against the kids. It's because of all the things that happened over the course of my life that I just held on to it and crammed down and just suppressed and suppressed and suppressed that are eventually going to boil up out of us. Therefore, it's going to cripple our life. And we're going to just carry all of this, all of this pain and, and all of this brokenness and all of these words they said and all of these messages we received and all of these actions that were committed. And what will happen is you and I will be robbed of the abundance of life that Jesus came to give. So please forgive them. Please just, just forgive them right here. Call them. Message them. Sit down at a coffee shop. I don't care what it looks like, but forgive them and free yourself from that offense. And also, if it was you... Take the responsibility to seek the forgiveness that is crippling them and, and reminding you of your guilt and shame. Let's pray.